So good morning everyone. It's a quite a chilly, windy day here in Sydney. Good day to be doing some zazen inside. <clears throat> the title of today's talk is Less of Me, More of the World. Um, yesterday I went on a very enjoyable um, walk um, in the area where I grew up as a child down at Manly and uh, I started off at Manly Wharf and I walked around there's a harbour walk that goes through Fairlight and round to Balgala and uh, it's a it's a wonderful walk to do where you're right on the edge of the ocean looking out and uh, it's all these interesting rock pools and trees and houses and people going by lots of people on the path out walking um, with the coronavirus lockdown, a wonderful thing to do. And um, but what interests me is that when I go out walking, in particularly in a in a big city like Sydney, um, I've always, even as a child, I remember I was really curious when I walked past people in the street to look into their face, because I'm kind of curious as to who they were or. Whether they, I think I was looking to whether they are open or closed when I think back on it. And when you go walking along a you know, wonderful environment like that and you look in the faces of people going by, very rarely do you have someone who actually makes contact with you and engages, like recognises your presence and exchange a hello or a smile or whatever. And um, it made me think going through that area um, pre-European times to when it was, in a, 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 it was a very highly populated um, Aboriginal place of the Kaimai people. And uh, it's hard to imagine back in those days, you know, where maybe there was a thousand or two thousand people living in that same area, that people would, would walk past one another and not acknowledge one another. It'd be so strange if they didn't. And yet that is the the norm in our experience. And I've also remembered too, um, when we were on holidays in, in London a few years ago, walking through London streets and the whole two weeks with, we were there, one person looked at me in the eye um, when I went past. Everyone's just in their own zone. Yet it's not like that everywhere. And I also remember <clears throat> um, a wonderful week I spent in Kamakura in Japan, Kamakura is south of Tokyo, about two hours ride um, on the train. And it used to be the, um, the uh, imperial capital of Japan back in about the 10th or 11th century anyway. It's a very strong Zen community with lots of Zen temples. And I don't know whether that is what makes the difference. It's quite a, quite a busy populated area, but you go walking through the, the mountain trails around Kamakura and everyone that you pass says konnichiwa which means hello in Japanese and it's said in a, a vibrant sort of connecting way like konnichiwa um, and it's a wonderful experience to have that sense of connectedness engagement with people that walk past you. Now it wouldn't be very useful to go on a walk and be just out there judging people for not connecting with you. You wouldn't have a very enjoyable walk if you did that. 
Um, and, uh, and, but when, but when you, when someone does actually smile at you or there's some kind of look of recognition, it, it sort of makes you feel alive, makes you feel wonderful. Um, but it's just the way it is that people are in their own, in their little mindset or whatever. Um, and they're, they're somewhat shut off. Um, it's funny the the synchronicity of things that can happen when you go on a walk. Because um, as I was walking along, there was a man in front of me, and as I as I got closer to him, he had a T-shirt that had some writing on the T-shirt. And when I got close enough, what what it said was, "Follow me, I'm chasing an idea." <laughs> that was the last thing I want to do. <laughs> I started thinking of. Um, Alternative T-shirts. Walk beside me. I'm not chasing an idea. Uh-huh. Um, but that's what people. When you look into people's faces, um, going past often in the street, um, what you, what what appears to be happening is that it, there's, there's not an openness there. There's a the clothes because most people like us. You know, we're not free of it either. But even though we may be working on it, is that most people are caught in a self-preoccupied dream. They're chasing something. Um, If it's not something external, it's something internal. They're chasing thoughts in their mind, trying to find something. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that's just the nature of, of how people are. And when people go out, it's a wonderful thing, everyone going out for a walk by the harbour, and I'm sure everyone enjoys it in their own different way, even if they're um, thinking to themselves or um, speaking on the phone to someone or whatever. It's a wonderful experience. But just think, so it's not about criticising people's way of going for a walk, but really, um, it if one walk mindfully and openly, uh, wherever we are, or whatever we do, it would enhance the experience of it. And what my experience of is when I walk mindfully and I'm walking openly rather than closed, is that everything, life just seems more vivid. Um, everything's kind of large and three-dimensional and vibrant. Um, whatever it is, whether it's the ocean or the people walking past or the dogs or the trees, the flowers, you know, everything has a has a vibrancy to it. But if I'm closed down, pre preoccupied, um, then so much is missed, um, and it's not necessarily a particularly fully satisfying kind of experience. So whether it's just a momentary walk that we go on in our lives, or we think of the whole way that we we live our lives. Is that when it's when it's just lived in that self preoccupation, um, uh, it's not as enjoyable as what it could be. Um, one of the great teachings of Dogen Zenji, his words that we often come back to: to study Zen is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. 
and to forget the self is to be confirmed by the 10,000 things, the myriad things. Um, when we do sazen or when we uh, practice Zen generally, there is a going within um, and that's where we need to start. To, to study the self is to go within and when we go within, it's not as though we're studying ideas or even Buddhist ideas for that matter. Uh, what, what the essence is of studying the self is what, you, what is this inner experience? And it's often when we begin an experience of a stream of dissatisfaction in our life, unsatisfactoriness, dukkha. Mm -hmm. We look within when we first start practice and that's what's there a lot of the time. Maybe not all the time, but a lot of the time. And going within and studying the self is to just be with the raw edge of that dissatisfaction and just watch it. And if we watch it, um, we become aware from our own intuitive experience, not just a philosophy or a theory we've read, we become really aware from our own intuitive experience that that dissatisfaction has a cause and it's grasping and aversion and it's apathy. It's something like not caring, as we talked about the other night. So that when we study the self, that is the nature of the studying that we're doing. It's not academic, it's not intellectual, it's just direct experience of what am I experiencing right now? What is this being which is me right now? And then we we see the dissatisfaction arising, we experience it coming and going. But if, if that was all we were to do, um, then um, it would be another form of um, self-preoccupation. Mm -hmm. And so Dogen moves to the next line. To study Zen is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. Right? So the beginning is a looking within. It's a turning within, but then it moves to a turning out. Right? Moves to a turning out. And, and it's with that turning out that the, with the experience of Zen, it's a turning out so there's less of me and more of the world. Now when we, we're in that sort of vortex or that whirlpool of spinning around in our own, own self-preoccupation, um, there's more and more of me and there's less and less of the world. We're not listening to anything coming in or seeing anything coming in at all. Um, but as we study the self, where we recognise the dissatisfaction, the causes of it, then um, we get really bored with it. It's really boring going over your own stuff all of the time. And, and if you look at it closely enough and see how much you go around in it, it's like, do I really want to do this? You know, what's outside there in the world is far more interesting than my thoughts about myself. And so... The nature of studying the self is that there's less of me. Right? And if there's less of me, then there's more of the world that actually can, can come in, that I engage with and actually affirms. And then it's not just in, in Zen we hear this, um, 
statement but you, you see it through religions like right through the world and I think I believe in the Gnostic Gospels if I remember that it's quoted that Jesus said something very very similar to this as well is the inside and the outside becoming one mm -hmm. so there's a sense of being in this body and my my subjective experience but it's completely connected with what is outside the inside is outside and the outside is inside there's like there's no disconnect between the two and so a Zen life um, becomes one of this outward, outwardly directed looking for each opportunity of connectedness with the world because it's always connecting with you it's always connecting with you it never stops connecting with you um, but when we get preoccupied, we, f we forget that it's connecting with us. There's so much, when you go back to some of the great Zen literature, you know, they're just words, but they, they really do point us in the right direction, and it's worthwhile going back to them over and over again. But some of the words that really speak out to me, do you know, is from um, Hakuen Zenji's Song of Zazen. How sad that people ignore the near and search for truth afar. Like someone in the midst of water crying out in thirst. Like a child of a wealthy home wandering among the poor. It just nails it, those words. It nails it like where we're all kind of stuck. So many people are actually out in the world. Um, but they're out in the world like the sign on the back of that man's t-shirt said that they're chasing something um, and so it's very different to be out in the world partying doing whatever we do um, because it's a distraction from the dissatisfaction inside that's what most people do as a way of dealing with their inner dissatisfaction they find distractions out into the world That'll, that'll take them away from it so they, they're not reminded of it mm -hmm, and fill their lives up with that. But that's a very, very different experience to being aware of the dissatisfaction, what causes it, and um, turning out into the world so that the world is not a distraction. It's a completely different kind of experience. So... When the inside and the outside become one, there's a sense of just simplicity of being. Just a, just a body walking along the path, right? It's conscious of things coming and going. It's just a simplicity of being without any complexity going on inside. And, and you're, in, you're inhabiting your body completely as you walk. And out of that simplicity of being, there's just a joyful doing in whatever you do. That, that's, that's the inside and the outside becoming one. Simplicity of being, joyfulness in doing. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to go for a walk or it's a way to live our lives. So um, that's all I have to say for today. Um, it's the challenge for all of us to use this time um, to put this into practice.
Mm-hmm. And our, our four hours out of our Sunday, our half day on a Sunday, is a, an experience of just being... Um, you may have waves of dissatisfaction or irritability come or go, but most of us, by and large, when we engage in this process, the dissatisfaction dissipates or falls away, at least. Um, but remember the other side of it. It's not just a turning in. Um, when you go out in your everyday life, turn out. Turn outwards towards the world. So there's more of the world and less of me. Okay.